Morning. I'm Dave. Uh, I don't I don't get that welcome ever. So thank you. I really appreciate that. You know, I was I was born in South New Zealand and I was born into a family. So I want I want you to do something with me. I want you to imagine the day you were born. Can you do that? It's a little bit weird, isn't it, to even suggest it. But you were born into a family, I'm sure of it. Doesn't matter what that family looked like, you were still born into a family, am I right? Good, good. At least that still works on this side of the ditch. Um, look, I was born with a, with a Scottish mother. So the first thing I remember is, Hello, wee one, how you doing? <laughs> Which is a bit scary. Um, nonetheless, nonetheless we're, we're all given these, these families, and those families do stuff together, sometimes really well, sometimes not, not so well. Uh, is it? My, my, parents, my parents were both chefs, all right? I can't cook, but man, I can clean a kitchen, because that's all I was ever allowed to do, all right? Simple as that. I married a chef, praise the Lord. Yeah, <laughs> that's the one. But yeah, look, seriously, when, when, we're, when we're born, we, we, start, we, do, we start developing and we start learning stuff and we start learning how to interact with our, with our family and then all of a sudden we have to start to learn how to interact with our friends and all of a sudden you find yourself in high school and that's just awkward. Am I right? How many of you are still in high school? You've already left, haven't you? That's right. Um, yeah, it's, it's an awkward time, right? Uh, things start happening and, and then all of a sudden you realise that there's, you know, different people out there and they act differently to what you were taught. You notice that? And then you've got to go, well, do I have to be nice to them? But they were mean to me first, so surely I can be mean back. Isn't that the way it goes? I don't know. And then you go to university. I went to, I went to a liberal arts university in, in um, Sydney called Macquarie University. Has anyone ever heard of it? Um, their, their claim to fame when I went there, and this was their brag, we are the most liberal university in Australia. Really? That's, that's a good thing? Okay. I didn't actually understand what that meant. Um, I was a bit confused by that. And then, you know, uh, you start learning that there's certain parts of the campus that you don't need to be on. Um, that was weird. Um, when, when you have a guy come up to you and go, mate, uh, you're not part of our group. Like, what, are you, what group is that? Well, you're not flamboyant enough. You're like, oh, oh, I need to. But, I mean, look, honestly, it was, it was a strange time. And it was, I mean, I'm going back um, at least, you know, three months ago. No, okay, it was, it was uh, before, the, before the new millennium. Um, and, and things were a little bit different, right? But you had to learn how to work in that world. And you had to suddenly learn that there was new conventions and new, new ways of interaction and new ways of being part of. It was quite different because I grew up in a really conservative family and that sort of stuff was never discussed. It was not even talked about. And if you did, you'd have had the Scottish mother, oh, no, no, we don't go there. No, son, oh, no, no, no. And, and so, you know, these sorts of things were new, they were weird. And, and as you're doing this, you're actually working through what God means. Does God actually exist? 
And who is this God fellow anyway? And what does that actually mean to me? And what is it going to mean for the rest of my life? And does a decision that I make right now actually impact 40 years down the track? Yes? No? I don't know. Man, I haven't been alive for 40 years. I don't even know what that means. And now that I am 40, I look back and go, well, 40 is not that long. Let's be honest. Does anyone else agree with me? Can I get an amen there? Yeah, praise the Lord. (laughs) But the the reality is you're actually asking all these questions and you're trying to figure it all out and you're trying to have some comprehension of who you are and how you fit and how God works. And what you've learned is there's a rule for or anything like that, but there's a rule. And you sort of stay within them as best you can. Then you move to another part of your life and there's a, there's a rule over there and it's slightly different. Like, did anyone ever play sport? Anyone play sport? Ever tried like not doing what the sport says you're supposed to do? And the referee comes out and gives you a bit of a grilling over, like you're not supposed to do that. And you go, but why? I was once asked to play basketball, not twice. Um, yeah. You learn that these rules exist and all of a sudden you've got to work within these rules and you've got to pay attention within these rules and then you come to church where you go to God and there's rules. You're like, man, more of them. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? But you see, I'm really lucky today because I actually brought someone who actually knows these rules, okay? His name's Jono, and I'm going to get him to come up here and talk to you about these rules, okay? I got the easy part. Yeah, it's true. One of the common questions that I get asked as a pastor is, Pastor Jono, is it okay for me to do this? Does God say that, is this okay to God? And, and what does God think of, of me doing this? And what does God think of me doing that? I'm also a chaplain. I love chaplaincy. And, and in schools, there's lots of rules. And then as a chaplain, I'm not really supposed to be the one to enforce the rules. And we know students. And I sit there watching and I have a little chuckle to myself because they like to break the rules wherever possible. They don't like to ask me, what does God say about this rule? And what does God say about that rule? But I love it. And so They've given me the hard job today, and they say, well, Jono, can you go and teach everybody the rules? So that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the rules of God today, just very, very briefly. What does God say about how we should live our lives? To do that, we're going to look at one of the oldest sets of rules that you might find, that you might have heard of before. Uh, It gets quoted and referenced all over the place, but often we don't know exactly. And it's not, I'm not going to do a pop quiz today. I'm not a teacher. So I'm not going to ask you which rule is which, because if you ask me, I probably wouldn't know the answer myself. But we're going to go to the Ten Commandments. Have you heard of those before? Okay, I got a few nods, a few yeses. The Ten Commandments are found way back in the Old Testament in a book called Exodus. So if you've got your phones or or a Bible, turn with me to Exodus, and uh, we're going to look at the Ten Commandments. Exodus means to, to depart, to depart from somewhere, a mass departure. So I'm sure uh, when we finish leaves, and that's what happened for the Israelites as they left Egypt where they were in slavery for 400 years, there was an exodus and they departed from from Egypt and they walked into the wilderness. And God comes along and he says to them, "Mm, I should probably give you guys some rules. I should probably give you guys some some ways to to live by, to start your society, 
to keep you in check, maybe, and that type of thing. And that's where we find that in Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. But let me give you some background on the type of person, the type of God that our God is, the creator of this world, the creator of this universe. One day God speaks to Abraham, an old man, as he looked at the stars and he dreamed, he had no children, and he says to them, your descendants will be like the stars in the sky. And Abraham goes, I'm pretty old. I don't know about that. And God says, just trust me. Your people, your descendants will be a blessing to all nations in the world. And, and Abraham says, okay, Lord, I trust you, but I might just uh, try it out my own way, all right? I'm just, I've got a friend over here, and maybe my wife's a little bit too old for that. I'll talk to my friend and see what we can do. Eventually, have a child called Isaac, and then God says, I want you to take Isaac up this hill, and you're going to sacrifice him. What? He's my only son. Well, one of my only sons, but you promised, you promised that my people will be a blessing to all nations. And God says, well, trust me. So he trusts him. And in the last moment, God provides a way out because he trusted, because uh, Abraham trusted him. Isaac has a son, Jacob, and Jacob has 12 boys. And these boys don't get along too well. They're so jealous of their brother that they pretend he was dead and they sell him as a slave. And Joseph ends up in, in Egypt himself. And somehow along that way, when Joseph says, where are you, God? What are you doing, God? He ends up as the prime minister of Egypt. I mean, that's crazy. I don't even know how that's possible. And right when a famine strikes, his family gets reunited with them and they all move to Egypt. But then after a little while in Egypt, all of their descendants become slaves. And all this time they're wondering, as a people, they have this promise to their family that they will be a blessing to all nations, that their, their number will number just like the stars. And they wonder, where is God? We are slaves in Egypt for 400 years. God speaks to Moses and he says, I'm going to use you, Moses, to take my people out of Egypt. And Moses says, ain't no way, man. I can't even speak. I'm afraid. I'm nervous but he uses him. And Moses has the job and he has to stand up the front of the Israelites and say, okay, get ready because we're going we're gonna to go tomorrow. And they say, no, we don't. I don't know. Who are you? I don't even know who you are. Who's this God that you speak of? We've forgotten about him a little bit. God says, just trust me. And they make it out of Egypt and they're wandering along, but all of a sudden the Egypt's, Egyptians are, are following them. The dead end, a, a big sea in front of them. And they say, what have you done? You've brought us here to be killed. And God says, just trust me. And the sea parts and they walk right through it. So this is the God that we have, the creator God of the Bible, the God of, of Genesis, the God of Abraham. He says every step along the way, every time his people fail, every time his people start to doubt, and life is like that, he says, trust me. When everybody else fails you, I'm a God that you can trust. And that's where we find them in Exodus chapter 20. Let's have a look. I'm going to put it on the screen. Verse 2 is the start. We always get straight into the Ten Commandments, you know. Don't do this. Don't do that. Thou shalt not do this. But that's not where they start. They start with this verse in verse 2. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt 
the place of your slavery. So before God gives rules to the Israelite community, before he says to them, I don't want you to do this and I don't want you to do that, and you're not allowed to do this and you're not allowed to do that, he reminds them of who he is. And we forget that so often. He reminds them that he is the God that they can trust. I am the Lord your God. I'm the one who brought you out of Egypt. I'm the one who brought you out of slavery. And because I've done that, you can trust that I will do this. Or you can trust that these rules that I'm giving you, these words that I'm encouraging you with, are important. Because why would I bring you out of Egypt just to hurt you, just to harm you? You can trust me. You can count on me. And so he gives them 10 commandments to build their society as, as uh, rules for, for life that I would say are pretty important for us to live by today. Things like a pretty good rule, a pretty good uh, piece of advice, pretty good law to live by. In fact, such a good law that it's a law of the land as well. I mean, the government says probably not a good idea to go murdering people. And what's interesting is that these 10 commandments can be divided into two groups. I don't know if you've ever noticed that before. When I noticed that the first time, I was amazed. Two groups. On the one hand, it is how you can relate to God or your relationship with God. He says, don't serve any other gods. Because they came from a pagan society. They came from where everybody else around them worshipped multiple gods. And God says, look, you know what? I want you to relate to me by only serving me. I'm the only God that you should have. And while you're at it, don't worship any idols either. And maybe don't use, misuse my name. That's how you should relate to me, God says. And then the other half of the, the laws, they're all about relationships with people and how you should relate to each other. And, and by the way, you probably shouldn't be over here murdering your, your friends. That's probably not a good idea. So let's just check that one off and say, don't do that one. And it's probably a good idea to honor your mother and your father because they gave birth to you and they love you. And while you're at it, it's not a good idea to covet or to be jealous of what your neighbor has. I mean, I know they drive a nice car. That Mustang looks really good. I love to have that. Pastor Jeff has that, those nice Harleys. He's showing me photos all week. And I'm like, man, if only. Don't get jealous because it leads down a wrong path. Be happy with what you have. And each of the laws can be divided into either a, your relationship with God and how you should relate to him or your relationship with others and how you should relate to them. But what's important to know is that they were never supposed to be harmful. They were never supposed to be about restrictions. Oh, I'm not allowed to do this. What a shame. They're never supposed to be about that. They're always supposed to be about this is how to live your best life. Jesus said when he came, and John, he says, I have come that you may live life to the fullest, that you may live the best life possible. And that's the same thing that God says. I want you to have your best life, and this is what it looks like. You might notice from my accent that uh, I don't come from New Zealand. I'm currently a, a Kiwi living in Melbourne. I pastor an Asian church. That's a bit interesting pastor an Asian church in Melbourne, but before that, I pastored a church in Invercargill, New Zealand. Pastored a church there, chaplain of a school there, and I lived in Invercargill, but I also pastored a church in probably the most beautiful place in New Zealand, Queenstown. 
Anybody been to Queenstown? Oh, man, I love Queenstown. I used to go up the gondola at Queenstown. I had an annual pass. So every time I went to visit my church, I'd go up the gondola, get a coffee, sit there. I call it my office. You want to meet with me? You want to visit? Meet me at the top of the gondola. I looked out over the lake and over the mountains. The remarkable. It's beautiful. But Queenstown is two and a half hours from where I lived. So if I had to do a visitation or if I had to to preach the church that week, two and a half hour drive, spend the whole day there, two and a half hour drive back, long time. And to get there, there is a lake, beautiful lake, Lake Wakatipu. I've got to put a photo up on the screen. Lake Wakatipu. You have to drive around this lake. There's no other way to get there. It's this windy road. This road right here is called the Devil's Staircase. Beautiful stretch of road. It's windy. And to your left, just drop straight into the lake. And when you've been driving for two and a half hours and you're just towards the end and you just have to get around this lake, you just want to get there. An enjoyable uh, ride to stick to the speed limit and to go around, of course. But there is a speed limit. And that speed limit is there because if you don't stick to it, and there was a couple of times where if you got out of control, you'd go over the edge. And there's boundaries on the side of the road. You can kind of see them. There's these boundaries on the side of the road that if you did drive off, they would kind of correct your course. They'd keep you on track. They'd keep you in line so you didn't fall into the water. But I tell you what, this, this road is polluted with camper vans. Oh, we hate them as locals. Tourists, they don't know the road rules. They drive on the wrong side of the road. They drive so slow. I mean, the speed limit's 80, they're going 50, and I'm sitting there behind them. Oh, please, just let me pass. But it's just windy. There's no stretches to pass. And all I want to do is just do the wrong thing. I just want to pull out. I just want to go around them. But the amount of crashes that I've nearly seen on that road, unbelievable. Uh, of course, not me. I mean, I, I would never almost crash. I definitely never crashed, but there's these restrictions in place because without them, we'd go off the edge. Without them, I'll hurt myself and my lovely car, and I'll never be able to afford a, afford a Harley like Pastor Jeff because I've just gone off the edge. And so I have to stick to the restrictions. I have to stick to the road rules because I have to be careful to protect myself, but not just myself, but the people around me. Because it might look okay for me to drive around this person, but as I go around the corner, there's a car coming the other way. And so I have to stick to the road rules and I have to stick to the restrictions because if I don't, on this stretch of road, there's a reason it's called the devil's staircase. I might not just hurt myself. And that's the way it is with, with rules. Sometimes rules seem unfair. And sometimes we wonder, why did you say that, God? And why did you tell us to not to do that or to do this. But every step of the way, it's always been about relationships. Relationships with him, relationships with us, relationships with others. Living our best life, life to the fullest, so that everyone could enjoy life. What I love about the Ten Commandments is that right when he sets up the rules for their society, he starts by reminding them of who he is, a loving God, a God that they can trust, 
a God that's done so much for them. We look to our past, and when we see in our past everything that God has done, it gives us hope for the future and courage for our presence, for our present. That's what I want to leave with you today. When you look at, am I on? Can you hear me? When you look at the set of rules that Jono has just elaborated on and Dave had the opportunity to share a little bit of his own family rules, one of the categories that you can place God's rules in is something that you kind of call like a family. Does that make sense? So when you come to a family, rules are set up not to like a club where you actually go up to a club and you want to join a club and they have these set of rules and if you don't abide by these set of rules, then you kind of get what? You get kicked out. Does that make sense? The beautiful thing about God's rules is that he doesn't create the rules for you to follow first. The first point before you even get to the rules is that he wants a relationship first before you even understand that God is about relationship, then you've missed the point of why the rules are in place. And many times when we look at the Ten Commandments, we tend to look at the rules and we say, oh God, thou shalt not, which is what Jono mentioned, thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that. But that's when you start with the rules. Because from a club perspective, I'm going to keep the rules in order to be able to have a relationship with God. That's a different approach. But on this side, if I'm looking at it from God's already started a relationship with me, then therefore, from that relationship, when I step into this family paradigm, there are rules that God has set up in order to be able to protect me, to be able to help me function in this thing called family. So Jono doesn't know this, but I'm actually going to call him up because we're going to illustrate this. And because I've been picking on Jono this whole week, it's just best to continue to complete the cycle. So Jono, you're going to stand here. Now we're familiar with this game called Trust Fall. Does everyone know that one? See, he's already questioning whether he trusts me. Yeah, no, I'm the one who's speaking last, that's why. <clears throat> All right. So, Jono, what I need you to do is I need... <laughs> you, the question I have to ask, Jono, do you trust me? Uh, maybe. So here's the thing is, if you, if you don't trust the person, then you're going to be questioning them all the time. Does that make sense? So, Jono, I just need you... Keep your eyes fixed on me. Stay focused on me. Now I need you to close your eyes. <laughs> close your eyes. Dave, it's all right. You can, you can go sit down. Yeah. Because you gave him a bit of a scare now. So, yeah. Don't, don't worry. Do we have any nurses in here or doctors? No, even better. I think people know, yet yeah, there's plenty here who probably know how to do first aid. So that's all right. Resuscitation is taken care of. Okay, John, I, I need you to not peek, okay? <laughs> this is really good because he's good at talking about trusting God. We're putting it to practical use now. 
Don't worry about your ice cream later after Sabbath. <coughs> okay, so Jono, I'm just going to need you to lean, <laughs> keep your feet together, <laughs> keep your feet together. All right, now I'm going to need you to let, like, eyes completely closed, <laughs> completely closed. I know this is a bit of a struggle for you because you're struggling to think that Wendy is not strong enough to be able to catch me, but I need you to trust me. All right, yeah, a lot of breathing is not going to really help you, but keep doing it. <laughs> All right, Jono, I'm going to need you to fall forward, okay? Fall forward. <laughs> <laughs> Jono, if you can fall forward, and I'll catch you. Keep your eyes closed. <laughs> now we're gonna we're gonna do it again, but I need you to keep your feet together, okay? Keep your eyes closed. Yep. Here we go. There we go. <laughs> stay there. No, no, no. Stay there. Stay there. Come, come, come. Keep your feet together again. Face me. Close your eyes, keep your eyes closed. And we're going to try it again. Okay? Keep your, yep, fall forward. Beautiful. All right. Now, stay there. I'm now going behind you, Jono. Just move a little bit forward in case I need, I need a bit of space to help. What's the length of your body? Hold up. Yep, around about there. Okay. Jono, close your eyes. And I need you to trust. Okay. Now, just keep your arms like that. No, you'll be an angel when we get to heaven, but that's good practice. Okay? Now, I need you to fall backwards. Fall backwards. Oh, Jono, come on, come on. Yeah, where were you? Can you hear some of the things that are happening as him and I are, as, as we're just doing this trust activity? Forward, and, and he can hear me behind but he's still struggling to trust me. So we're trying to work towards it, okay? Here we go, Jono. Here we go. There we go. All right, now. No, no, no. no. no, no, no. <laughs> Keep your eyes closed. Keep your eyes. Do not open them. I need you to not open them, okay? Keep your eyes closed and don't, don't look. Don't see. Well, I can't see if your eyes are closed, okay? And then don't move, just keep... Now, I need your arms open, okay? Now, Jono, I need you to fall backwards, okay? Just trust me. I need you to fall backwards. Just keep it like that, okay? Ready? On the count of three, keep your legs together. And then fall backwards. Ready? One, two, three. There we go. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Before you get to the rules, that's what trusting God looks like. You're going to question him. You're going to be asking all sorts of questions. But if it's about relationship before the rules, then you're talking about a God who's amazing. You're talking about a God who wants to do life with you. 
We're talking about a God who wants to be invested in you because that's the type of God that you want to get to know because he's a relational God. And as you explore him in your relationship with him, the rules come after. Then you start to see the context of why rules are in place. Those Ten Commandments are there because God is a relational God, not because you're trying to seek a relationship with him. That's the difference, and that's the God that wants to do life with you relationally because the Ten Commandments, those Ten Rules, are there for yours and my benefit. God bless and continue to grow in learning how to trust God because that's what it's about. Thank you.